listening to the On the NBA Beat podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. Oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Just in time for the regular season to tip off, we're releasing our first team interview of season two. Before going any further, I should introduce myself. I'm Aaron Fishman, and in this exhilarating episode, co-host Lauren Lee Chen and I will be speaking with knowledgeable Heat reporter and all-around good guy Josh Baumgart about the youthful squad down there in South Beach. Veterans Dwayne Wade, Joe Johnson, Luol Deng, and Chris Bosh won't be taking the court, but many more opportunities lie ahead for the likes of Hassan Whiteside, Justice Winslow, Goran Dragic, and Dion Waiters, among others. Josh Baumgard's former shooting coach has been helping Winslow with his shot this offseason, but that's not the only reason he's more optimistic about the Heat's prospects than most league analysts. Why else? Let's find out. Welcome back, Josh. How's it going? Going well. Just looking forward to another uh, 45 to 50 win season for the Miami Heat. (laughs) That's right. You're really high on the Heat. That was, um, I think, one thing that I was really interested to hear from you. They've had so many key departures. Dwayne Wade, obviously. Chris Bosh likely not playing for the team this year or possibly ever again. Joe Johnson, Luol Deng. They're going to be a lot different looking as a team. What are your main reasons for optimism? Main reasons, I think they're going to be an improved team defensively. And I know a lot of people can't get past the the brand name departures. Wade, Dang, Bosch wasn't really there last year. He was a very small part of that. So, But I think it's just they can't get past the big name. But their big thing is their defense. I think they're going to be much better defensively this year. You're replacing Wade, who is just a disaster on defense. Same with Joe Johnson. Uh, Dang was pretty good. But Josh Richardson's going to get a lot more minutes. I know he's a little banged up, but he's he's a really good perimeter defender. You have Tyler Johnson, another great perimeter defender. They added a few defensive pieces in James Johnson and Derek Williams. And Hassan Whiteside is going to be the anchor inside. But I really think they're going to be an improved defensive roster because of how good their perimeter defense is and the fact they have the human eraser with Whiteside inside. And then I'm also really, really high on Justice Winslow. I think he's the key to the whole season. I think he's the difference between whether they're going to be a a 35-win team or a 45-win team. you got to see some offensive improvement out of him, and I think with the increased role, he's ready for it. Speaking of their defense, they ranked sixth in defensive efficiency last year. Just a, a really solid defensive team. Aside from Hassan Whiteside playing more minutes and Justice Winslow continuing to improve, which guys have to step up for that already strong defense to continue to improve? I mean, I think uh, he, such a big key is Whiteside and how disciplined he's going to play because he does have a tendency, although he didn't do it as much in the playoffs and towards the end of the year, he has a tendency to go for blocks and whenever possible. And sometimes that's not the best team basketball play. So as long as Whiteside plays discipline, really mans the pain and doesn't go for every block, he, he's got so much defensive talent around him and Justice Winslow who could guard one through four, sometimes even five, as we saw in the Raptor series 
And then Tyler Johnson, Goran Dragic is a decent defender. I think Deion Waiters has a lot of ability as a defender, and I think you'll really see him grow in that area within Miami's system. But I mean, yeah, the, the outlook's good for them on that end. I think that I don't think there's any reason they shouldn't be a top eight, top seven unit. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. They have a lot of guys that can do some damage defensively with Whiteside obviously leading the way. But um, I want to hear a little bit more about their offense. You mentioned Justice Winslow as having to make strides on that end. And uh, he's just so athletic. That'd be great to see him just continue to improve his offensive abilities. What, though, do they have to do overall and on the offensive end? Or in other words, what do you think is their biggest area of vulnerability and um, what could derail them potentially? I think shot creation. I know Goran Dragic could do it. He's great in transition, creating for himself. He's really good at finding teammates on the drive. He's going to throw a lot of lobs to Whiteside. But what happens when the opposing team really harnesses in on him, especially down the stretch, and takes him out of the game? Is there somebody else that can step up and... And I'm talking from the perimeter. I know Whiteside could score inside. They dump it down to him, but he's not going to really create for you attacking the basket. So they need somebody else. They need that uh, 1B, 2A facilitator. And I think the most likely candidates are Tyler Johnson, who more more of a shooting guard than a point guard. But I think he does have some ability to create uh, scoring opportunities for himself and others. But again, it's Winslow. He hadn't had the best jump shot coming into the league. I know he hit a lot of threes in college, but really didn't have a great shooting year last year. I think he was right around 30%, maybe a little under, but that's going to be huge because if he can develop a consistent jump shot, the defense is going to play closer to him. It's going to open up driving lanes. And we, as we saw in the preseason, he's pretty good ball handler and he's very underrated passer. I think he can find guys in the corner for those open threes. So again, I think it goes back to Winslow. If he's able to create some offense behind Goran Dragic, that's going to ease the burden on them scoring because they're they're likely not going to be a great offensive team. But if they're at least better than average, I think that bodes really well for their playoff chances. Yeah, as you said, adding some facilitator to their offense really probably would make a difference this season. Last season, the Heat, were pretty bad in assist rate. They were ranked fifth to last in that category. Right. Yeah, just adding Justice Winslow, adding that dimension to his game would be a big help. At the top of the show, we mentioned the ongoing issue of Chris Bosch's health. News came out this offseason that the Heat didn't medically clear him to play because of his blood clot issue. What do you think is the likeliest scenario for Chris Bosch for his future in the NBA? And do you think he's played his last game? I do. I think, unfortunately, I do. I think health comes first, and I don't see an independent doctor clearing him. Now, he might have a doctor that clears him, but I don't see one that the NBA is going to really trust and buy into because they have to approve it. I know that. It's just not worth it. This is a guy that had two blood clots within a, a year period, and then he had another while he was on blood thinners. So while he's taking every precaution possible, not even during the season, he has another blood clot, another setback, and I think that's the nail in the coffin for Bosch. It, it stinks, and I know it's really hard. I can understand his frustration, and I can understand where Riley's coming from and him announcing that he's not playing with the Heat again. It's just a crappy situation all around. Yeah, I think the most likely scenario is he's done. I just don't see an independent doctor clearing him. I think the Heat are going to wave him at some point. 
after February, their February deadline. So then he's off the books and he might try to make a comeback with some team, but I just, I just don't see a doctor clearing him. He's just too much of a risk. Yeah, obviously it's a sad situation for Chris. And as you said, it's definitely probably frustrating for him. He feels like he can play, but you know, it's so risky for his health and we wish him the best. Switching topics, Hassan Whiteside in the off season that he gave him a huge contract he figures to have a much bigger role, both offensively and defensively. He's going to get a lot more minutes. Every year he's been in the league, he's made great strides in his development. And this year, again, as we said, he's going to be entrusted with a lot more responsibility. How do you think he'll respond to that, especially on the offensive end? I think he's going to have him. I don't know if you guys play fantasy basketball, but I don't. I'm not a big fan of it. I like fantasy football, and that's it even though I like basketball better, but he's going to have a monster season statistically. Like I like all those shots that are gone from Wade, Dang, Joe Johnson. I mean, that's a lot of departing shot attempts. So I think Whiteside's going to get a big boost there. I think he's going to be attempting. He was attempting, what, nine last year. I think that's going to go up to 14 or 15. He's going to, he has, really has a ballistic possibility of scoring 20 a game this season. And I know a lot of people don't look at him as some offensive juggernaut and he's far from it, but he's more than capable. And towards the end of last season, he really showed a, a nice pull-up jumper from uh, not pull-up, excuse me, but still 15, 18 feet. He was hitting them. He joked to Spolstra in the preseason that he's ready to start taking some threes during the games. And I don't think he's ever going to get the green line on that at least for a while, but I expect a big season offensively from Whiteside, And the hope is he could just, continue to be impactful defensively while raising his offensive game. But I, I mean, I see 20 and 10 and three easy and it's, it seems crazy, but he's going to have a lot more attempts. His efficiency could go down, but yeah, I, I would bet on Hassan Whiteside. Are you worried at all about the front court depth outside of Whiteside though? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, the interesting thing is I think they're going to be playing a lot smaller this year. And I think that's how Spolster wants to play. But outside of Whiteside, talking about depth at the center position at that five spot, you've got Willie Reed, who is a rising young prospect, very athletic. I, I like what I've seen from him in the preseason, though you can't really judge too much from these practice games. But outside of that, it's it's really, really thin. Josh McRoberts, he can't be dependent on to go home and take a shower and come back healthy the next day. Like he is just a mess physically. You really have to rule him out. And then anything he gives you is a bonus. You have Udonis Haslam, who's approaching like 50 years old. So they're really thin at the five spot. So if anything happens to Whiteside or Reed, we're going to see Justice Winslow playing some one through five, just like he did <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah, Justice Winslow, you talked a lot earlier about his defensive versatility. On the offense, do you have any particular areas where you expect to see the most growth for Justice Winslow and where you might expect him to still struggle a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think the the shooting growth from three is going to be, uh, it's going to take some time, but I see him getting better this year just because, I mean, he, he's worked on it all summer. He's such a hardworking kid. His form wasn't disaster. And funny side here is his shooting coach, uh, Rob Fodor, he just signed a, a shooting coach this offseason. I know he's worked with uh, Spolster in the past. He actually was my shooting coach back in the day, and he could shoot the crap out of the ball. And I know that doesn't that doesn't mean that Winslow's just suddenly going to be a great three-point shooter, but you've seen guys that come into the league and 
as a rookie, they're not great from distance, and then they improve. Draymond Green being one of them, who his statistics fared pretty comparatively to Winslow, if you look at him his first year, as far as what he did and what he brought. But I expect him to continue to improve as a shooter and then as a facilitator. And really, anything he gives you offensively is a bonus because he's so good on defense and he's so smart uh, with his approach to the game, his basketball awareness, that he's always going to be an asset while he's on the court. But if he can give you something offensively, that's when his true potential kind of reveals itself. Just to go back to, you were talking about Hassan Whiteside, just something I was thinking about. I did read your article, uh, by the way, about Hassan Whiteside's statistical jump. I completely agree that he's just going to have so many more opportunities. And he's also a guy that he'll definitely rack up some points just merely by grabbing offensive rebounds and putting it back. So you don't always have to be running plays for him. Kind of like when DeAndre Jordan kind of almost signed with Dallas. I thought, okay, he'll be able to score a decent number of points, even though it'll hurt him individually and it won't be good for Dallas. Obviously, Hassan Whiteside has more of a skilled offensive game at this point than DeAndre Jordan does. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what Hassan Whiteside does. And I'm excited to see it. It's crazy. This is a guy that was... He was out of the league two years ago. Isn't that nuts? And now we're talking about a, yeah. a potential 2010-3. Uh, actually, I remember I was looking it up. Only two players since 1975 have averaged 20-13-4 in a season. And Whiteside, if you look at his numbers last year and prorated to 36 minutes, now I don't know if he's going to play 36 minutes. He would achieve that 13-4 yeah. club. I, I think he's going to come close to it, which is just crazy. This is a guy they pulled up. They pulled off the street, essentially, and now he's going to be a borderline all-star this year. Nuts. I think it is worrisome. I agree with what you were saying in Lauren's question about the lack of front court depth. Willie Reed has been in the D-League for a while. That's not necessarily a bad thing. He's clearly improved over the years, but he's another guy that hasn't been in the NBA that long. Do you see, though, him making a big impact mostly on the glass? Or, or what do you think he brings for that? Yeah, I think he's their energy guy. Uh, I think he has a lot to learn from Udonis Haslam in that regard because that was Haslam's role, to be the, the dirty worker, get the rebounds inside, hustle down the court, finish in transition, but really just do everything grimy, get on the floor, uh, block shots and yeah, I like what I see from him. I don't want to get too high on these guys because there's a reason that he's 26 years old and has only played 39 mm-hmm. games in his career. But, yeah. I mean, everybody deserves second and third chances. And he at least has the body and, and the uh, the size and, and physical. So it's just a matter of whether the mental catches up. Because I know that he they do some interesting things defensively where not everybody truly gets it especially like the michael beasley's of the world you know mario chalmers some of these guys yeah. are physically gifted but don't mesh well in the heat system i don't want to harp on this too much because haslam clearly hasn't really been making that much of an impact on the court but you kind of alluded to him mentoring um reed a little bit do you think that he could have a big impact and will be leaned upon heavily at least off the court in practices stuff like that with oh, yeah. the young players yeah, that's another thing. You look down their roster and you're like, who's their leader? You know, maybe it's coming from Spolstra, but I mean, Goran Dragic is probably their best player, him and Whiteside, but Dragic isn't the most vocal guy. 
He's more lead by example. Justice Winslow, not the most vocal guy, more lead by example. Hassan Whiteside's probably the most vocal guy, even though he's not the most mature. So that leadership's going to have to come from somewhere. And I think an old head like Udonis Haslam is, he's going to have to step up in that role. And now it's weird because he's not going to play much. So can you say you have that argument? Can your leader be your number 13 or 14 guy down on the bench? So that's a whole nother conversation. I know we're kind of all over the place. We just like picking your brain of, about this new roster. No problem. <laughs> um, Drogic. So there was some talk that he and Wade stepped on each other's toes a little bit. Goran Drogic, to be successful, sometimes needs the ball in his hands a lot. I mean, he was good off the ball as well, especially um, at different stages of his career. But how does it impact him now on the court with Wade gone? I think it's going to uh, reignite his game, so to speak, because. Gordon Dragic is, while he's a good overall player, he's not great when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. You know, he's not this guy that's just going to cut off the ball and and dunk on somebody, or he's not this great spot up three point shooter. So, really, he's most effective when he has the ball in his hands. And while Wade was a great off the ball player, he didn't always seem willing to do it. So, mm-hmm. oftentimes, he dipped in the Dragic's usage a lot. So, that took away a lot from Dragic, and it, it kind of minimized his effectiveness. So, I expect without Wade, he's really going to thrive. And I think it's crazy that the Wade had a great playoff run, and he had a sensational series against Charlotte. If he didn't have that series, they lose. But you're looking overall what he brings at this stage of his career. I'm not sure he's, he would have been the best fit, fit for the Heat, and I think... I think you're better off paying Dion Waiters $3 million than paying Wade 20 plus. If you look at last year's numbers, Miami's defense allowed eight points per 100 possessions more with Wade on the court. And then you consider the fact that he's going to hog the ball, put in a high usage, and take it away from Dragic and Whiteside and some of these more consistent, efficient players. And the case could be made that they're going to be better over the long haul without Wade. Now, that might just be the homer in me. It might be a uh, the bitter fan coming out saying he left us, but the numbers don't lie when you look at it. And Dwayne Wade is not the player he was five, ten years ago. Yeah, that's an important point. I was just going to ask you about Wade. When a player makes such a big impact and an imprint on a franchise, wins all those titles, three, three titles with the Heat, is that right, for Wade? Yeah, yeah. 13 seasons with the team made such a big impact in the community, on the court, off the court, but clearly his game has seen better days. If you can, just summarize for us just in in all the main ways that the team is just going to be different in the franchise with him not on the team anymore. It's really weird because he's just been a a mainstay, and I don't like talking bad about him, and I don't want this to be the (laughs) bash wait hour. I, I did enough in some of the things I wrote and took a lot of heat for it because some Heat fans, and it shows you what he means to Heat fans when you're going to blindly support him because he is the Miami Heat. And he put them on the map. Shaq, really, without Shaq, you don't get that first title. But Wade was in the driver's seat. You know, if, if not for Wade in that fi- those finals against the uh, Mavericks, they don't have that first title. And he's just meant so much to the franchise, so much to the community. He's been a model citizen off the court. He's done a lot of charitable things. So it's going to be nauseating to see him in a Bulls jersey especially when he comes to town in a few weeks. it's I don't know how I'm going to feel, and I hope fans give him a standing ovation at the stadium before the game, give him a huge standing ovation, round of applause. But, you know, once the ball gets tipped up, he's wearing 
the wrong kind of red. So he's he's the enemy. So I, I think they should boo him just as they booed LeBron. You know, he, he doesn't mean we don't love him and can't root for him, but he's in Chi-Town now, freezing his ass off. One of the guys you've mentioned who's going to have to try to fill Dwayne Wade's shoes is Dion Waiters. He had a relatively good season last season, especially in the three-point shooting realm. He hit 35.8% of his threes and took a career high of his shot attempts there last season. What are your, ex- your expectations for Waiters this season? Are you on Waiters Island? I'm not on Waiters Island. I think he's a wild card because it's funny, in the preseason... And I I don't like to watch too much preseason because I think it skews your perspective because Mm -hmm. the guys aren't going as hard. You're playing a lot of guys that aren't going to make the team. They aren't going to make the league. But there were moments where he didn't look like he was trying to do too much. And I think he's similar to Chalmers in that regard. And it was very rare. But when Chalmers didn't try to do too much and let the game come to him, he looked like a formidable starter in the NBA. And Waiters... In certain spots of the preseason when he's not trying to do too much when he's not trying to be a scorer first and he's actually trying to facilitate and pass for others he he's somewhat effective you know he get in the paint he's athletic he appears to have pretty decent passing vision i'm not sure his assist rate or any of that off the top of my head but i know he has the goods the physical to do it i think with him it's just it's more about the mental and those kind of players always scare the crap out of me like michael beasley chalmers as i said uh, gerald green it's the physically gifted guys that have it all, but in the NBA, you need mental. Like That's what separates the good from the great, the average to good. So I'd love to see his mentality and if he's really willing to embrace that role as a facilitator first and a scorer second. Yeah, over the course of his career, I think Deion Waiters has been one of the more polarizing figures in the NBA among fans. Obviously, he has a lot of talent, but probably a little bit too confident in his abilities sometimes, especially while he was a member of the Cavaliers. He seemed to rein that in a bit and became a effective role player off the bench last year for the Thunder. How do you expect that to pan out for the Heat? It helps having someone like Pat Riley around, someone like Alonzo Mourning around, who I don't think they're going to wait any time to put waiters in his place. And I don't know if he's ever had that before. I know he, he played with LeBron for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously you had that guy, but if Pat Riley comes to you and says, hey, uh, you're hogging the ball too much, pass the damn ball, I think he's going to be more receptive to it. Tyler Johnson's another guy who they're hoping can take on more responsibilities in the backcourt. The Heat re-signed him to a big contract in the offseason. What do you envision for his growth? I like him. I think he's rare in this league because the guys that can shoot and also defend the perimeter, there aren't many of them. So I think there's a lot of value in a player like that, and he brings both. You know, he's a 38% three-point shooter for his career. Uh, defensively, he really gets after it. And although he might not be worth his contract in year three and year four when he's getting play- paid 18 plus million per year, you're getting a good deal these uh, next two years. So I really like him as a player. I don't think he'll ever be a star, but uh, I think he can be a six-man, a quality one. And uh, I look forward to seeing what he's able to do with more food on his plate this year. I think last season, outside shooting was a bit of a weakness for the Heat. Oh, yeah. They were among the bottom of the league in both three-point attempts and percentage. This season, with the increased reliance on guys like Josh Richardson, Tyler Johnson, Deion Waiters, who all of whom we've mentioned before, do you expect that to change at all? Or is yeah. that still a question? No, I think, I mean, I think it's still a question, but I think it's a lot better than last year just because... The fact that Wade's gone and Wade was never a great three-point shooter, at least not here. 
And if you put a guy like Richardson in there, that spreads the floor for everybody else. I think a lot of it's going to depend on Winslow because he's certainly going to have those opportunities because teams are going to leave him wide open until he proves he can hit it. But you've got guys like Wayne Ellington, even the guy that they just added, surprise uh, keep, actually. Rodney McRuder, he's a good shooter. He might play early on with Richardson out. Even Josh McRoberts, if he plays, he has the capability of being a good shooter, even though he's been kind of uh, scared to shoot in recent years. But really interesting is Luke Babbitt, who's probably one of the best pure shooters in the league. It's just a matter of, is he going to be so bad defensively that he's that he's not able to play? Because if you're, if you're giving the team 10 points, if you're adding, let's say, 10 points of offense and you're giving up 15, that's a obviously a net negative. So uh, he's going to be interesting because I know they were talking about him potentially starting at the four. He's not. But if Whiteside and some of these other really good defenders like Winslow are able to hide him a bit, he'll be an interesting name to uh, keep an eye on. But uh, the word on the street with him is just from everybody you talk to and read about, write about, is that he's just so bad defensively that it do, it's not worth it yeah when you were mentioning that it kind of reminded me of steve novak a little bit oh, yeah, where exactly. sometimes it's, it's hard to get defense. him on yeah sometimes hard to get him on the court but when you look at the stats wayne ellington luke babbitt both very good three-point shooters so if they can get them on the court and there's not other drawbacks then that would definitely help their shooting i'm a little worried that ellington this will be a seventh team in the last six seasons He's just bouncing around everywhere. But yeah, he could definitely help them from the perimeter. Just before we let you go, the last thing I want to ask you, we kind of talked about this at the beginning, the win range that you're expecting and where you think they can reach. It's a little bit higher than a lot of analysts. But how do you think the team will define its season, whether they have success or not? What uh, level do you think they have to reach? And, And then also, I didn't ask about this, but... Do things just have to go pretty wrong for them to just get rid of Drogic, do you think, and just change course? Well, I think the only way you change course and go quote-unquote tank mode is if you have a major injury to either Drogic, which then you can't trade him, or Whiteside. Because if one of those two players go down, they just don't have the depth. And depth is certainly an issue, but when you talk about projecting and it's all, you know, it's all just talking heads. We don't really know anything. Everybody knows the same as everybody else pretty much before the season. But yeah, one of those guys go down, you're in trouble. If not, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's crazy to see them. Uh, now I was saying 45 wins. Okay. So if you look back last year, 45 wins, the Pacers finished with that record, 45 and 37, they were a seven seed. So I don't think they're going to be some dynamic contender in the Eastern Conference that has a chance to dethrone James or top the, the new and improved Celtics or the Raptors. But I certainly see them being a fringe playoff team. And if a few things roll right and Winslow improves, they could be more than that. But I think the range is somewhere between 10th in the East and 5th. I don't see all these Eastern Conference teams being dramatically better than them in the Hornets, uh, Pistons, Pacers, the Bulls. They have their chemistry issues. You have no idea what they're going to look like. So uh, I think there's a real opportunity here and you never want an over, they're very overlooked too. And I think one of the reasons they're overlooked is because the big names are gone and in that wake is youth. So it's just a matter of, of how much better that youth gets this quickly. So a lot of it's going to depend on the rookies from last year, Whiteside's development, obviously Goran Dragic. So there's, there's a lot of question marks, but if you're looking at this team and how they're put together, I think there's, I think there's a nice fit there and I think they're going to, I think the goal is to build a nice foundation, to reestablish yourself as a defensive 
identity, a defensive franchise, and then worry about the offense after that. So if they can establish themselves as an elite defensive team and, and Whiteside as a two-way force, I think that bodes well for the franchise's future. Josh, it's always a pleasure talking with you about the Miami Heat, our first three-time guest. Thanks again for coming on, and hopefully the Heat have as good of a season as you expect. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And remember, 45 wins, all right? We'll remember. All right. Thanks, guys.